Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Monday evening where we continue our reflections into the book of Genesis. I want to continue to uh, welcome all of you who are listening in the local area, but especially those who are tuning in by way of podcast. If you are an iTunes listener and you are listening from the countries of Canada, Mexico, Brazil, Argentina, Chile, Peru, uh, Portugal, Spain, France, Croatia, Germany, Italy. I see all of you on the grid, and as I know from one week to the next, it really is humbling for me that you are taking time out of your busy schedule to reflect with me into the richness of our faith, and on Mondays and Tuesdays, the richness of the book of Genesis. So here uh, on Seeds of Truth Radio, on Mondays and Tuesdays, we hit the book of Genesis. Wednesdays, we hit the pause button and we reflect into a movie For those of you who are faithful listeners, you know that Father Mike Ritter has been joining me, and we have been engaging movies, the the world stage, and by the grace of God, coming to discover uh, the many rich redemptive themes that we find in in all of those movies, and just not the, the obvious movies where there's a clear allegory into the narrative of salvation history, but also those more unsuspecting movies. Last week, we talked about Jumanji and how there was a real a psychological, personal identity dynamic going on, and I thought that discussion with Father Mike was great. This week, we're going to take up the movie Incredibles. I know Incredibles 2 has been gaining steam. For those of you who've been watching the Olympics, there's been a lot of commercials devoted to building up Incredibles 2, so I thought it would be uh, fun to take up the Incredibles this Wednesday with Father Mike. And of course, on Thursday, what we do is well, respond to your questions, and I continue to receive your questions, and by the grace of God, we have been able to answer those questions. And, and I know as I answer those questions, it always leads to more questions, but as I have said on more than one occasion, that is plenty fine. Why? Because what is behind every question? What does the word question mean? Uh, but to quest, to seek to understand— We're not talking about question within the context of doubt. No, we are talking about that word question in its truest sense, to seek to understand. This is what theology is all about. We say theology is the study of God, and it is, but theology best defined is probably faith-seeking understanding, right? We've been given this gift of faith, and in turn, we seek to better understand our faith. And of course, we use Uh, our capacity to reason to do so. So we ask questions, and those questions have us going deeper and deeper and deeper, right, into our faith. And this is why asking questions is good. I mean, if you were to go back into the Gospels, we have noted this before, Jesus is asked 308 questions. Think about that. That's fascinating. Jesus in the Gospels is asked 308 questions. 305 times, he doesn't respond to the question with an answer, and as much, he responds to the question with a question. 
Now, why would Jesus do that, right? (laughs) Did Jesus not understand the question? Well, of course he did. He wants us to really go deeper into the question we are asking. He wants us to take ownership of the question we are asking. And this is uh, classic rabbinical pedagogy, always asking questions. You know, we look at St. Thomas Aquinas as one of the great theologians in church history past. Why? Because he, like none other, asked all of the important questions, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of questions. And of course, he answered those questions in his own style. He was drawing out the faith, teaching the faith through just not the Q&A, but the Q&Q. And so asking questions is a good thing. And so this is why we take time out on Thursday to respond to your questions. And, and again, when it leads to more questions, that is okay. All right. All of that being said, we are in the book of Genesis. Now, my friends, we have been in the narrative of Noah, right? And as I promised last week, we will get into the descendants of Noah and chapter 10 as we are still in the history of the early world. But before we depart from chapters 6 to 9, I wanted to go back into chapter 6, verses 5 to 6. And as I reread these two verses that we have talked about to some degree already, I want to just probe deeper, as I have been made to probe deeper more recently. So if you have your Bibles out, if you want to turn to Genesis chapter 6, and I will go ahead and read verses 5 to 6. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. Gosh, chapter 6, verse 6, my friends, listen to this again. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. Now, we have already talked about how the Bible often describes the thoughts and actions of God in human terms, right, in order to in order to make the mystery of God more comprehensible, more understandable to the human mind, <clears throat> you can go through the Old Testament and see that the authors often use a figurative or anthropomorphic expressions that describe God as having what but physical features such as hands, arms, feet, white hair, and a face. These kinds of um, word pictures, if you will, really do help communicate the personal nature of God. But I don't go back to chapter 6, verse 6 to talk about that again. I want us to really get underneath that verse. And the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. What is going on there? Well, (laughs) what have we come to see in the creation narrative itself? But that God has implicated himself in relation with man. When we sin and reject God, God doesn't just sit there and say, oh, bummer, you know, too bad for you. You've missed out on paradise. No, he goes to the farthest possible reaches to restore man back to him. And let me say that again. He goes to the farthest, not farther, but farthest, right? Possible reaches to restore man back to him, back to God. Although we lose sight of God, God never loses sight of us. When God looks upon the evil 
that was unleashed upon the earth and he regretted he created man, there's something profound going on there, huh? And I think what we need to do is take a step back and appreciate that regret in the heart of God is unknown to us unless the Holy Spirit allows us to see the pain in the heart of God. That God would make himself vulnerable is so striking. And certainly, we know this vulnerability in spades on the cross. God desires that we realize that our sin sent him to the cross. And so as we come to see this, the cross really does emerge as something absolutely transforming. And what is transforming is, a, is not just a reminder, but the reality that he transforms us. This is the good news. This is the gospel, that his love is unlimited. I have touched upon God's limitless love before. Uh, my wife and I were in Hawaii three weeks ago, maybe a month ago now. We were, we were there for six days. And uh, this was a long time coming. We've been married for 14 years, and we were due a six-day break, right? And boy, did we have an incredible resort right on the beach. It was just an incredible six days. And on more than one occasion, did I look out from my balcony into the Pacific Ocean, and it was then that I found myself reflecting into God's limitless love. I was quickly reminded that as awesome, as powerful, as overwhelming as, as looking out at an ocean is, I mean, what is it, 80% of the whole world is made up of water? That's an extraordinary thing. And how amazing it is that uh, for so many of us, we never get to see a large body of water. But to be at the precipice of a large body of water is to just be impressed. While the war world is made up of 80% of water, it is still only 80%, right? It is still limited. My wife and I went out each night onto the beach. We took long walks along the beach so much sand. I mean, if you were to think about it, you can pose the question, is it possible to count all the grains of sand? And while it might seem impossible, it is in fact, I suppose, possible, right? If you were to uh, amass a large sum of people and to all at once count every grain of sand, I suppose you can do it. It might take a thousand lifetimes, but you can do it. Why? Because the sand is limited. So we talk about how much sand is out there and, and how much water is out there and how overwhelming that is. It's still limited. It's still limited, right? God's love is unlimited or limitless. You can never exhaust God's love. At some point in time, you can count the last grain of sand, right? At some point in time, you reach that 80% of water. You never exhaust God's love. And what does this speak to but mystery, right? Because the word mystery literally translates as that which is inexhaustible. God's love is inexhaustible. You can never plumb or exhaust the depths of God's love. So God's love is limitless. Now, all of that being said, pour that back into 
(laughs) chapter 6, verse 6. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. Brothers and sisters in Christ, why was God experiencing this grief, as sacred scripture reminds us in this verse? Because he understands our true potential. God sees us as he created us, right? And when he looks at us, he sees that in our full brilliance, we have the potential to become extraordinary sons and daughters of God, doing extraordinary things for the mystical body of Christ. So when we fail and we sin and we reject his outpouring of love, it grieves him to his heart. It grieves him to his heart. You know, as a father... It breaks my heart anytime my children don't do what I ask them to do. It really does. Why? Because I know if they do what I ask them to do, it will encourage them to become the best version of who they are as my son. Yeah, but more importantly, who they are as uh, sons and daughters of God. I have two boys and two girls, right? So my grief is tied to what's missing with a deeper understanding that they can become so much more. Now, I have come to understand and appreciate that even when they fail, all the more glory uh, to God when they pick themselves up and rise again. This is why sometimes God sticks his foot out because we need to fall because when we pick up ourselves and rise again, We do so with a lesson learned. But all the while, all the while here, what we have to appreciate is that in the end, God desires that we desire Him as much as He desires us. As I've spoken of that before, that really is an overarching principle to the spiritual life. Okay. All right. So I just wanted to kind of get back into that a little bit before we depart from the narrative and the chapter surrounding Noah. Okay, how about chapter 10? I am not going to pretend to try to go through this chapter and all of these names, right? You, you need to take just more, uh, more than one course in Hebrew to be able to pronounce all these names. I actually have taken a semester, one semester in Hebrew, but uh, honestly, these are tongue twisters, and, and I don't know if it's good radio to go through all of these names. It would probably take up the remainder of our time. Anyhow, it would be enough to say just off the top that what you have in chapter 10 are those nations that descended from Noah, right? Chapter 10, verse 1, these are the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Sons were born to them after the flood. So, by the way, remember, these are the generations. That's kind of that stock phrase that acts as a kind of formula that introduces new phases of history and narrative in Genesis. Uh, We've talked about that on more than one occasion because we've seen that stock phrase before. So, chapter 10 is really about what is called the table of nations, and most commentaries get into this, if you can get your hand on a commentary to, to chapter 10. The Table of Nations, which is really an inventory of the national, uh, geographic, and linguistic, we could say, diversity of the ancient Near East. So, numerically, it lists a total of 70 nations, okay? 14 from Japheth, 30 from Ham, 
and 26 from Shem. Okay. Genealogically, it asserts the unity of the human family stemming from Noah's three sons. And I know we talked about this last week. Geographically, chapter 10 outlines kind of a general pattern of migration and settlement with the Japhethites, which concentrated in Asia Minor. And if you had a map before you, you can also see the islands of the Mediterranean. The Hamites spread across northern Africa and up into Syria, Palestine. And of course, the Shemites settled in Mesopotamia and all across the Arabian Peninsula. Palestine, incidentally, my friends, is situated in the very center of this world map. Now, why would Palestine be situated at the very center of this world map? Well, what does this reinforce? But the central importance of the Holy Land in the theological worldview of Israel, right? Remember, if you wanted to worship God, where did you go? To Jerusalem, of course, to the Holy Land. What is it? I believe it's uh, Ezekiel 38, verse 12, where Jerusalem, the Holy Land, is pictured, is understood as the center of the earth. We also see this in, in Ezekiel chapter 5, verse 5. Why is it the center? Why is the Holy Land the center of the earth? Because that is where you went to worship God, and you always went to worship at the center, at least in the Hebrew mind. So, uh, very important as you look at chapter 10, and you want to start to trace some history in the Bible, right? You've heard me say that the Bible is not a history book per se. To treat the Bible as strictly a history book is dangerous. Why? Because it is first and foremost a book of the faith, right? A book of faith. Does it have history in it? Of course it does. And certainly you can see that in chapter 10. What else here? Well, in chapter 10, verses 6 to 20, Ham is depicted as a what? Progenitor of Israel's traditional enemies. And I find this to be interesting. Why? Because who was cursed? Who was cursed? What did we talk about last week? But Ham, right? Who were the sons of Ham? But the Egyptians in chapter 10, verse 6. The Canaanites in chapter 10, verse 6. The Babylonians in chapter 10, verse 10. The Assyrians in chapter 10, verse 11. The Philistines in chapter 10, verse 14. The Jebusites in chapter 10, verse 16. What do all of those nations have in common aside of the fact that they trace their lineage to Ham? That they are adversaries to Shem. They're adversaries to Israel. All throughout the Old Testament, anytime you read about the Egyptians, the Canaanites, the Babylonians, the Assyrians, the Philistines, the Jebusites, they're in contention with Israel. You see, my friends, this is the curse. By the way, when I was reflecting into this, this really brought to mind for me the importance of the healing of the family tree. Uh, the importance of the healing of the family tree. What do we read in Lamentations chapter 5, verse 7? Our forefathers have sinned and are now dead, and we bear their punishment. There are many scripture passages that talk about how sin is transferred from one generation to another. Now, I know some people balk at this, but let us just think about this critically for a second. You know, do we not in our weakness transfer, communicate, 
our bad habits to our children? And do not our children communicate uh, our bad habits, their bad habits to their children? Okay, something is going on there. For those of you who are Catholic and, and you might be asking yourself, well, where is this in the teachings of the church? Well, John Paul II uh, affirmed the importance of uh, the healing of the family tree in his document on the new millennium, where he made more than one affirming statement regarding the need to heal the effects in us, in our personal sin that we have committed, but also in those sins committed in our family tree in past generations. St. John Paul II urged the the Bible-based mentality of Leviticus chapter 26, verse 40. Confess your iniquity and the iniquity of your ancestors. We see this in uh, uh, Josiah, 2 Kings chapter 23. The confession of one's personal iniquity, yes, but also the iniquity of his ancestors. So this is very important. And when I was doing my homework on this, this just caught my, my attention this morning, this whole family tree dynamic. It's something that I have done in the past and certainly for me personally has proven to be very powerful. I wanted to go through this prayer of the healing of the family tree and just listen to the beauty of these words. And, and again, I think this to be relevant to our discussion because once you start to get into the Hebrew Toledoth, as it's called, Toledoth is the Hebrew for genealogies or ancestral lines, you can come to appreciate that, yeah, sin follows more than uh, just one generation. And so listen to this prayer that comes to us, and this is from Father Hampsh. Father Hampsh uh, has written a very large book, and I think it might actually be more than one volume, The Healing of the Family Tree. I know he has also written a book titled The Healing Power of the Eucharist. Incidentally, my friends, when you do the, the healing of the family tree, it's very intentional with the sacrifice of the Mass. And I believe you pray the prayer we are going to pray here after you have received communion. And so let us pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, I come before you as your child in great need of your help. I have physical health needs, emotional needs, spiritual needs, and interpersonal needs. Many of my problems have been caused by my own failures, neglect, and sinfulness, for which I humbly beg your forgiveness, Lord. But I also ask you to forgive the sins of my ancestors whose failures have left their effects on me in the form of unwanted tendencies, behavior patterns, and defects in body, mind, and spirit. With your help, I sincerely forgive everyone especially living or dead members of my family tree who have directly offended me or my loved ones in any way, or those sins that have resulted in our present sufferings and disorders. In the name of your divine Son, Jesus, and in the power of the Holy Spirit, I ask you, Father, to deliver me and my entire family tree from the influence of the evil one. Free all living and dead members of my family tree, including those in adoptive relationships and those in extended family relationships from every contaminating form of bondage. By your loving concern for us, Heavenly Father, and by the blood shed of your precious Son, Jesus, I beg you to extend your blessing to me and to all my living and deceased relatives. Heal every negative effect transmitted through all past generations 
and prevent such negative effects in future generations of my family tree. I symbolically place the cross of Jesus over the head of each person in my family tree. I love that. And between each generation, I ask you to let the cleansing blood of Jesus purify the bloodlines of my family lineage. Set your protective angels to encamp around us and permit Archangel Raphael, the patron of healing, to administer your divine healing power to all of us, even in areas of genetic disability. Give special power to our family members, guardian angels to heal, protect, guide, and encourage each of us in all of our needs. Let your healing power be released at this very moment and let it continue as long as your sovereignty permits. In our family tree, Lord, replace all bondage with the holy bonding and family love. And let there be an ever deeper bonding with you, Lord, by the Holy Spirit to your Son, Jesus. Let the family of the Holy Trinity pervade our family with its tender, warm, loving presence so that our family may recognize and manifest that love in all our relationships. All of our unknown needs we include with this petition that we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. What a beautiful prayer, huh? What a rich prayer. <laughs> now, some of you may be asking, Joe, Dr. Holcraft, I thought we were saved, but remember, my friends, Philippians 2, verse 12, we work out our salvation in fear and trembling. We are reminded of our need to lean into Christ. That is, James chapter 2, 17 says, faith without works is dead, dead, my friends. Let us be alive in the Spirit, present to our family's needs, and remember that we come from someone who came from someone who came from someone who came from someone. And we have an obligation to, as Scripture reminds us, to intercede on behalf of one another. What does Paul say in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 and following, that we are co-workers in the building up of the kingdom of God? That as Paul reminds Timothy, indeed we are to intercede for one another to mediate on behalf of one another, okay? So very important as we reflect into the importance of the healing of the family tree, the healing of our own memories, that we might be restored to health. This is what lies at the heart of the salvatio in salvation, right? Save is the root. Healing balm, God's limitless love, is like a healing balm. Let's be enfolded and the greatness of that sacrificial love. Amen? Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.